We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to Lakers Nation Live. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane. The Lakers get the win over the Portland Trailblazers was not always pretty in this one. In fact, this was a win and we'll take it because it was a win. But I don't think anybody came out of this game necessarily feeling that much better about the Lakers or about what this, what this team's problems are or anything like that. So we'll dive into it tonight on this show. Welcome in those of you joining via YouTube over on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. Those of you coming in from Facebook, from X, welcome in as well. Podcast listeners, of course, coming in, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, probably listening to this on Saturday. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. But we've got a lot to talk about. Chat, I'm going to be getting to you guys in just a moment. Before I do... This game, this was a game the Lakers were expected to win. They were a, I believe, nine and a half point favorite heading into the night. And they finish up, they win 107-95. So you look at the at the final score and you go, okay, all right, they did they did pretty well here, right? This isn't this isn't a bad outing for the Lakers at all. You'll take it. It's a 12-point victory. You know, the fourth quarter, you pulled away, you did all the stuff you needed to do. And okay, we're we're pretty good. Right. You feel okay about it if you just look at the box score. But, you know, if you look at the game, you look at the game, I think it was a little more problematic. And so that's why tonight I kind of want to look at take two approaches here. Number one, the Lakers get the win. That's important. They continue to be unbeaten in the tournament. They continue to step it up for tournament games. We saw that from LeBron. LeBron is amazing, right? That's another takeaway from the, from this game. And so there's a lot of positive in that regard. They're coming off of a loss to the Sacramento Kings. Always good after a loss to bounce back with a win. So we'll take that as well. But yeah, I mean, I also had some, some issues with this game. And here are my issues. Here are my things that, that I look at and I think, hmm, okay. There's some things here that are starting to pop up consistently. Time after time after time. So we're starting to see teams because what teams do is they figure things out, right? Teams in the NBA, they figure things out and then they copy each other. So what are some things that we're starting to see that could be consistent issues? Well, one thing that we're seeing, of course, 
is the offensive glass. Teams are committing extra players to the offensive glass because they know that's a, that's a successful strategy against these Lakers. The Blazers, 19 offensive rebounds. They, they average just over 11 offensive rebounds per game. There are some offensive rebounds that are just unavoidable. There's no getting around it. You just a, the ball takes a funny bounce and you wind up giving up a rebound or you have somebody who is a particularly just dominant rebounding player and you know what? They're going to get a few, a few rebounds. That's just, that's going to happen. But this has been a trend for the Lakers that they just give up lots of offensive rebounds. And you know, it's a, it's a funny stat in a way, because when you look at, when you look at offensive rebounding, the only way you can get an offensive rebound is by missing a shot. So you have to miss If you have a team that shoots insanely well, their offensive rebound numbers are going to be low because they don't miss that many shots. You have to miss shots in order to create an offensive rebound. So it can be a little bit tricky in that regard, but still the bottom line is the Lakers give up way too many offensive rebounds, and it's one of the most damaging things in basketball, right? Uh, we talk about advanced analytics. We talk about layups and threes, right? That's what everybody wants. They want layups, well, layups, threes, and free throws. That's what everybody in the NBA wants. But offensive rebounds are insanely damaging because your defense is completely out of sorts. It almost always results in either an immediate putback or a wide open three because your defense is scrambling. They're all out of position and teams take advantage. We've seen it so many times this year where the Lakers give up an offensive rebound and gets kicked out wide open three bucket. Yeah. When you should have finished a possession with a stop, they're not doing it. So that trend is, is one that's continuing. Another trend that we're seeing is Anthony Davis. He's getting doubled in the post and AD in this game. Um, again, kind of a, for him, subpar scoring game, 16 points. You know, you'll take 16 points. He got the jumper going a little bit early. Uh, or I'm sorry, late. He got the jumper going. He's shooting like a, a horrible percentage. I mean, I think he was down at like 7% on, uh, on jumpers that are just inside the three. Now, we know he's a little bit better than that. But still, we've seen him settle for the pull-up jumper. Settle for the mid-range jump shot, jump shot, which in the past has been part of his arsenal. This season, I put it out there on X. I said, "Man, AD shooting a jumper is almost like a turnover because he's just not shooting the ball well enough." And fortunately, he hit some late, so he does finish with 16 points. Hopefully, that gets him going from there. But teams are doubling him in the post in an attempt to try to get the ball out of his hands. But they're also picking him off. Six turnovers in this game for Anthony Davis. So this is another thing to watch. The Kings did this to AD. Once teams see one team do it, and other teams have done this earlier in the season, they're going to copy that. Teams are going to scout, they're going to see what works, and they're going to copy it. So expect this. Now, every time AD gets the ball in the post, teams are sending the double, and everybody else on the floor, they are going to be ready to jump passing lanes because they know AD is not a super quick decision maker, and sometimes his passes are a little bit off target, and they're creating turnovers. They're taking what should be an advantageous situation, Anthony Davis in the post, for the Lakers, and they're turning it into a negative for L.A. So that's another concerning trend. Anthony Davis getting doubled in the post and the pass outs leaving a lot to be desired. He's making the correct read in terms of, yes, I've got a double. I need to kick the ball out to my guys. Let's swing, swing, swing the ball and then find an open look. But that exit pass is just simply not good enough. And teams are capitalizing it. And we saw the Blazers doing that. The Lakers, again, had some issues with turnovers. 18 total, once again, six for Anthony Davis. Way too many for a big. And then lastly, we're seeing teams that are really pressuring the Lakers guards, and in particular, Austin Reeves. Why? Because teams have had success doing it. They're bothering the Lakers guards, again, in particular Reeves. They're bothering the Lakers guards, and that's putting them into their offense late. It's taking longer to get them into their offense, 
And it's also creating turnovers because the guards are struggling. They're panicking a little bit with the pressure and they're throwing passes that are a little bit forced. And again, that's creating live ball turnovers. So 18 turnovers for the Lakers in this game. You had three were attributed to Austin Reeves, who had a you know a forgettable night. One for four shooting, four assists, seven points, three turnovers. And I don't know if you guys noticed this. He didn't close the game. Darvin saw what was going on, and Austin didn't close the game. That was, that was the deal, right? Was D'Lo's going to start? Austin's going to come off the bench, but you know what, Austin, you're going to you're, you're still going to play your minutes. You're going to close the game. You're going to close the game. So, um, this situation here is something that's worth watching. Something that's worth watching. Austin doesn't wind up closing the game in this one, and um, yeah. That's that's not not ideal, not not ideal. Now again, I do think that he can figure it out. I do think that that can be sorted. By no means am I saying, oh my gosh, this guy is falling on, and Austin Reeves is going to be terrible. No, I think he's going to be just fine. But it's something to watch. Teams are starting to pressure him more and more up high, and they're trying to force turnovers and they're trying to get the Lakers into their offense late. And right now, they're finding success doing that. They're finding success doing that. So again. Some things that the Lakers need to work on. And so when I come out of this game, my main thought is, yes, the Lakers got to win, but the things that were bothering the Lakers, the things that were Lakers were struggling with coming into the game, I don't think they found solutions for those things in this game. So we'll take the win. We'll celebrate the win. That's always great, you know, that, that bottom line. But you don't look at this game and say, yeah, okay, the Lakers used this as a get-right game. They figured some things out. I don't think they did that. I don't think they did that tonight in this one. Okay, sorry. I need to go on my little mini rant there to start the show because I couldn't help but get those thoughts off my mind as this game finished. It was a win. We'll take it, but kind of unsatisfying. And it's because I think those issues continue to pop up and they're issues that the Lakers need to find solutions for if they're going to get to where they want to go. All right. Allen Allenson said master lock the colorblind for being able to enjoy this game. Also shout out LeBron uh, all around play and AD's blocks. Yeah. Anthony Davis. Look again, they're, they're doubling him, but five blocks. Now he had five blocks in the first half. Didn't have any in the second half, but still five blocks for AD in this game. Whew, you'll take that. You will take that. Anthony Davis uh, had himself a game uh, defensively in terms of blocking shots. And so you'll take that from him offensively left something to be desired. But once again, Five blocks, yeah, and then LeBron. I mean, my goodness. LeBron James, I, I don't know if it's the tournament, if he knows everybody's going to be watching or what, but you look at what LeBron did in this game. 13 of 22 shooting, five of nine from three. He really had the shot going, plus nine assists, two steals, 35 points. Editor extraordinaire Daniel Stark and for Lakers Nation threw out there on social media said LeBron looks like he's about to turn 29, not 39. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. LeBron did look like he was about to turn 29. He was spry. He had a spring in his step, and he looked like he was determined to make sure the Lakers weren't going to lose this game. So, in fact, might as well just make it official. Superstar of the night. Superstar of the night. It's LeBron James. No question. Superstar of the night is LeBron. He was he was great um, on that offensive end. Now, 
did he blow some box outs? Yeah. When we look at the offensive rebounding that the Blazers had, would some of that because of LeBron? Uh-huh. Right? That's We've talked about it. He's not the only one. He's not the only one, that's for sure. There's other guys who are blowing box outs, especially on players crashing from the perimeter. So I'm not saying it was a perfect game for LeBron, but you know what? You'll take it out of LeBron James to get this kind of production. I will say, though, this is... You see, you can see it with the Lakers' energy. When LeBron is up, everybody else follows. Right? Because how can you not? Right? If 38-year-old LeBron James is flying all over the floor, no one else has an excuse to be loafing. Nobody. And so if LeBron is up, LeBron's active, LeBron's energized, LeBron's locked in, which I think he was in this game, everybody else is going to be too. If LeBron is blowing box out assignments, not making the extra effort, other players are going to as well. And so I think that's part of why when we talk about missed assignments on, on box outs, which are really hurting the Lakers, why I initially go to LeBron, not that I want to pick on LeBron. Again, he had a great night, but I do think other players kind of follow along with what he's doing and where he's where he's putting his energy. And so it's something to keep an eye on as we, again, continue to talk about this unfortunate issue the Lakers have with giving up offensive rebounds. Um, that That is, is a problem. <laughs> See what I mean? Like, this is what I get. Ryan says, bro, stop bro, stop blaming LeBron. I'm telling you, LeBron had a fantastic game. LeBron was amazing. He was spry. He was all over the place. I'm just saying, while we're complimenting the good, I just call it like I see it. While we're complimenting him for having a good game, there was a continuing theme where he missed a few box outs, and it led to offensive rebounding opportunities for the Blazers. That's something that's been happening week after week. So I think that we can acknowledge the troubling parts while at the same time celebrating the good, which is kind of the theme for this show, right? Right. Kind of the theme for this show right now is that yes, they got the win, but there's still some things that they need to work on and some improvements that need to be made. Andrew Lee said Reeves is much better as a secondary ball handler, in my opinion, uh, playing off ball with LeBron. Is it just me or do we need to do another uh, better job setting things up for AD? Also, AD got no calls tonight. Cam, obviously, balling. Yeah, so, uh, yes, I think the Lakers need to do a better job setting up Anthony Davis. Yes, there was, there was like, the play late where the ball got thrown into the post and a Blazers player's falling down and just holds on to Anthony Davis. And so the ball sails straight out of bounds. And the refs all just kind of look at each other and call the ball going the other way. Like, clearly, Anthony Davis didn't grab the ball because he was being pulled down. <laughs> um, and there was no call. So that was bewildering. But... Yes, the Lakers in general, it's not all on AD. They need to do a better job setting him up and getting him opportunities. Um, as far as Reeves being a better secondary ball handler, I think there may be something to that, or at least having that support out there that can become a, a, a primary ball handler in a pinch if you need to. But this is also what Austin wanted. He wanted to be a primary ball handler. He wanted to be an initiator, and he believes that he can do this. And I'm not saying that he can't. I think that ultimately he will be able to. But there have been some bumps in the road so far with his decision-making and the pressure that's being put on him and how he handles that pressure. I'm talking about the defensive pressure. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, again, I think that Austin can grow into this role, role, but it hasn't been a seamless transition with him being the primary initiator for the, the bench rotation. DJ. So the Lakers get a win that they should. Riddled with injuries, uh, seven to six, it's not too bad. Yeah, 
That's fair. LeBron keeps telling Father Time, not yet. What do you think our record will be after the next seven games, 20 games in? Well, let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at that. So the Lakers, over the next seven games, here's who they're taking on. You've got Houston coming up Sunday, Utah, Dallas, Cleveland, Philly, Detroit. Ooh. And then uh, finish off with OKC. So that's the road trip. So that's all the way through the end of the month of November. Whew. Okay. So Houston is better than anybody expected. I wouldn't assume that that one's a win, but I also think that's a winnable game. Utah is certainly a winnable game. Dallas has been playing really good basketball. I don't think that's not a winnable game for the Lakers. I I mean, look at all of these. They're all winnable. I think Philly is playing the best basketball of any of these teams right now. OKC is playing extremely well, and you're going to be on on the road here. The Lakers have struggled a bit on the road, um, which was so big to, to pick up a road win tonight. I'm going to say four and three in the next seven. Four and three would be pretty solid if you're able to pull that off in the next seven. Again, you've got Utah, Detroit. Those are two games you definitely should win. Houston, again, they've been playing better. Every other team should be quite a battle. Um, so four and three, I, I'd feel okay with coming out of the next seven. That's that's really what I'm looking at. And then, you know, you're still an above 500 team. And again, like you said, given how many injuries this team has had, You'll probably take that. You'll probably be okay with that. All right, we're going to get into the star in your role in just a moment. But let's get to this. Sabi said, AD, 16 points, 14 boards, five blocks, three steals while having a bad game. And all I saw on playback is trade AD. Are these people out of their minds? Social media is getting to these people, LOL. Yeah, so again, we don't want to... Anthony Davis... He needs to work a little bit on kicking the ball out in double teams situations. That's something that that's frankly, it's kind of been a thing for years with him, but yeah, I mean, 16, 14 and five with three steals. It just underscores how devastatingly good he can be on the defensive end of the floor on the boards, how incredible he can be while still leaving something to be desired because offensively, he doesn't always do the things that you would expect a superstar to do. And this game is a is a prime example of that. Didn't have a great shooting night. Um, you saw him struggle with turnovers. You saw him struggle to hit the jumper until that started to fall a little bit late. So 16 points, that's not normally what you expect out of a superstar. That said, we know he has higher scoring games in him. Last game, he only scored nine. So this was certainly a step in the right direction in that regard. He's been dealing with the hip injury. So for him to come out and get five blocks, to have the three steals, all of that, again, it's a solid game for Anthony Davis overall. He does need to figure things out on those double teams, though, and particularly the kickout. And it's not all on him. Some of it is, that is the off-ball movement. But that's going to be something to keep an eye on in games moving forward. Because again, I'll tell you, Teams are going to keep doing it. They're going to be even more aggressive doing it, sending the double at AD, because at worst, you're getting the ball out of AD's hands, and at best, you might be forced on a turnover if AD is not passing the ball well out of that double. So expect that to keep coming, and Anthony Davis is going to have to figure it out, just like Austin Reeves is going to have to figure out how to deal with the high pressure a little bit better. Now, is it on either player individually, just them by themselves to figure it out? No, it's a team thing. And so some of it is going to be scheme. What can the coaches do to free up these players, to create better opportunities? That's going to be part of the solution as well that we're going to get into. 
All right, let's see what else we've got here. Let's see what else we've got. Actually, you know what? Let's do this. Let's do an award and chat. I want to know what you guys think. I want to know what you guys think here for. Star in your role. The star in your role award. So star in your role. Who was it that you thought came in and was the best in their role in this game? Fire it off in the chat. Let me know what you think. I'm seeing, ooh, I'm seeing a lot, a lot of Cam Reddish right now. I'm seeing a lot of Cam Reddish. His name is popping up. So I think there's a few candidates here. I think there's a few candidates. Now, I thought Torian Prince, he struggled shooting the ball. One for five. You could see he was exasperated when he finally hit one. He did some decent things defensively. I don't think he's a candidate because of the shooting. But I wanted to point out that he did some decent things defensively out there. He also had a really nice pass on the fast break that it was a little behind the back pass. I didn't know he had that. But D'Angelo Russell, D'Lo finishes with 14 points, six assists, one of uh, four of seven from three. So you'll take that from him. Five of 10 shooting overall. Kind of a muted performance from D'Lo compared to what he just did uh, in the past few games, but still. All right. D'Angelo Russell, he's certainly in the mix there. Cam Reddish. I don't think the box score does him justice here. Eight points, three steals, one block, two boards, three of four at the free throw line, two of four shooting, one of two from three. But boy, he was everywhere. He was everywhere, wasn't he? And then Christian Wood, 10 points, 10 boards, got a double-double. And so you'll take that from him, although 0 of 3 from 3. I'm going to lean. I'm going to agree with the majority of the chat here who say, no, not Christian Wood. <laughs> Christian Wood. Christian Wood was good, but I'm going to say Cam Reddish. I'm going to go Cam Reddish. I think that you can make an argument for Christian Wood, but you know what? I go Cam here. D'Lo has been great recently. I'm going to go Cam, though. Cam Reddish, when this Lakers team has the habit of looking lethargic, he doesn't. He's everywhere. He's all over the place. He uses that wingspan. He's getting into passing lanes. He's deflecting shots. He's doing everything he can out there. I think he's been better. He's been better attacking the basket. Uh, his off-ball cuts. Obviously, the shooting, one of two from three. Look, that's not high volume, but we'll take it. And they were above the break threes that he took in this game and not corner threes, which was a little different than what we've seen from him recently. But three steals and a block, that makes a big, big difference in a game. And again, the Lakers are relying on him defensively quite a bit. And to play 30 minutes in this one, I thought he had a really, really solid outing. And he's had now, I think, five in a row good to very good games. Five in a row. The more games we see him stack up like this, where you can just say, man, it's kind of hard to pull him off the floor the more we can say it's it's real. This is becoming a real thing. Um, so this is fantastic. Probably one of my favorite stories of the of the season so far has been Cam getting into this, this stretch. I hope it continues because, man, he's that guy. He's that guy that for years has been, well, he's talented, but he's never put it together. Talented. Get each location, right? Atlanta, New York, Portland. So it's kind of a revenge game. Talented, but uh, he just never fully puts it together. Now, now, five games in a row, he's looked pretty indispensable for the Lakers, hasn't he? 
especially on the defensive side of the ball. He's been out there doing the dirty work, doing all the little things the Lakers need him to do. And you got to give the guy credit. I hope, I hope this continues. And I hope this is a real thing because this is great. This is great seeing him do this right now. All right. Comment says, seriously, our rebounding is poor and must improve. We would have lost against a better team. Also coming around on a third star. Braun needs help to score and we can't count on AD to produce offensively consistently. So there was a change here. And I know a lot of fans have been asking for this. And I don't know if everybody noticed this, but Rui Hachimura got significantly more minutes than he has in the past. Played 27 minutes in this game. Some of that came at the expense, obviously, of Austin Reeves' minutes going down. Uh, but you've got Rui Hachimura, 27 minutes, and he was an early sub in the first quarter. He was that guy that I had fans on social media. I had people in our live chats during games saying, where's Rui? Where's Rui, right? Because he would be one of the last subs into the game. Now the Lakers changed their rotation for this game, and Rui was one of the first subs into this game. Now, did he light it up? No. Seven points, three of five shooting, one of two from three. Look, you'll take that. I'm not not complaining when a dude shoots 60% from the field and 50% from three. That's great. But the volume was low, obviously, so he winds up scoring seven points, had five rebounds. So it's not like it's not like you look at this game and say, oh my gosh, really, this is just a breakout performance. No, but it was a solid outing. And here's the thing. Here's what I want to get to. When we talk about LeBron needs more help with scoring, perhaps this is part of the solution, right? Feed more minutes to Rui Hachimura. We know that he can put the ball in the basket. We know that's something that he can do. It's a talent that he's got. So Rui Hachimura and his ability to score the ball, if he's starting to be fed more minutes, Maybe that mitigates, in some ways, the need for a third star that can score the basketball to help out LeBron James. That's something to consider there. That said, yeah, the the rebounding has to be fixed. Has to. Um, they're just, as, as the point is being made here, they would have lost against a better team. Yeah, if you give up, you give up 18 offensive rebounds to another team, to a better team, it's going to be hard to walk away with the win. It just is. I'm sorry, 19. Even worse, 19. While turning the ball over 18 times. So what's the end result of that? Well, the Blazers got uh, eight more shots than the Lakers did. And part of the reason why they didn't get even more is because they turned the ball over 18 times themselves. But 19 offensive rebounds for the Blazers, it's hard to win a basketball game when you're giving up that many offensive rebounds per game. Just the math is extremely difficult. So thank goodness the Blazers are not a better team. They shot 40% from the field. They shot 27% from three. This game could have gone the other way. Now, again, if the Lakers had cleaned up the defensive glass, what would this game look like? It's a blowout going the other way, and LeBron and AD don't touch the floor in the fourth quarter. Like, that's the difference that could have been made here. And this is a consistent problem that we're seeing from the Lakers. The defensive glass is plaguing them. Teams are absolutely poaching offensive rebounds, and so they've got to, got to. I'm like a broken record at this point. They've got to figure out a way to clean it up because better teams will beat them when they're doing this on the glass. It's just, it's going to happen. The math will not work. John, does Austin keep being the backup point guard when Gabe returns? You know, that's a great question, and I don't know. And I think it's a bigger question than just, 
should Reeves be a point guard or should Gabe be a point guard, right? By the way, Gabe Vincent, we got the news yesterday. I mentioned it on the show yesterday. Reevaluated in two weeks. Yeah, so when he first got hurt, it was he's going to be reevaluated in a few weeks. So essentially, from the injury, he was two weeks away from being two weeks away. So that's not good. That's definitely not good. So that means we're not going to see Gabe Vincent again for a while. It's going to be a little while, at least two weeks before he gets reevaluated. Then he's got to ramp back up. We're talking about almost a month off where he's probably not doing much in terms of cardio or anything to, to stay in shape, really, because he's it's his knee. He's going to stay off his leg. It's going to be really difficult for him to ramp back up, just like with Jared Vanderbilt. We know it's going to take some time. Why? His injury was a heel injury. If a guy breaks his thumb, remember last season, Dennis Schroeder broke his thumb to start the season. Um, in fact, somebody else did too. Was it Thomas Bryant? Yeah, Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder both broke their thumbs. Well, both those guys, you, you got a broken thumb. It sucks, but you can run, right? You can do, you can keep your cardio up. You can get out there. You can shoot with the other hand. You can do all this stuff, right? So once your thumb is healed, the ramp up process is not that long. When it's your leg, when it's your lower body, it takes time to get your wind back, to get used to running up and down the floor, to jumping, to cutting, to all of that stuff. So Gabe Vincent, he's going to miss some time here. Now, when Gabe returns, eventually when we get there, and again, it's not happening anytime soon, but eventually when we get there, does he slide into that point guard role? Well, from what we saw of Gabe Vincent, he he's not a pure point guard in terms of being a setup guy. He's not going to create a lot of shots for other people. Austin, I think, is the more naturally talented player at doing that. Now, again, he's had his struggles this season. So does Austin keep being the backup point guard when Gabe returns? I think it also throws into question, who are you trying to get minutes for? What do you want it to look like? And frankly, if Cam keeps playing the way that he is, no, I, I don't think Gabe becomes the, the backup point guard. I think you keep Austin as the, as the backup point guard in this rotation because I think they've found something. The Lakers have a lot of wing depth, and by moving Austin to the bench rotation and using him there as Look, they've got things to work on, but it makes sense in that you're getting more wings on the floor. You're getting more minutes for Cam. You're getting more minutes for Rui. Eventually, you're going to be getting more minutes for Vando. You're getting more minutes for Torian Prince. And I think with the Lakers having that side, that extra size, that versatility on the floor, it's a positive for them. So for right now, and again, a lot can change between now and when Gabe Vincent comes back. But for right now, I don't see the Lakers, even when Gabe comes back, Switching back to D'Lo and Austin start and Gabe comes off the bench. Cam keeps doing this. I think you stick with what it is that you found. Again, things can change. Plenty of time. But if you told me right now Gabe Vincent is 100%, I'm not changing the lineup. I'm not bumping Cam out right now in order to go back to a rotation where Gabe Vincent is your reserve guard and Austin is back in the, the starting lineup. I think this rotation kind of works. Some things they need to fix, but this has looked better. This has looked better. Trey said, oh no, Darvin Ham is pissing me off. What did Rui do to lose his minutes to Prince, who is absolutely stinking it up on offense? Rui is putting up Prince stats in less minutes. Well, in this game, and in general, yes, Rui has been playing a lot less minutes than Prince. Prince got 35 minutes in this one. Rui got 28. But I think the big difference is Prince is better as a perimeter chaser. He's better getting out and guarding guys on the perimeter than Rui is. 
And Rui is more of a big physical presence in there. So that's primarily, I think, what's what's going on. In addition to that, I think that over the course of his career, we can say that Torian Prince is a better three-point shooter. Why? Because that's what the math tells us he is. Now, he's only shooting 32% from three so far, not including tonight's game for the Lakers. He shot one for five tonight, so that number is going to come down. He's not shot the ball well this season. You want to call it the Lakers tax guy puts on a Lakers jersey and suddenly can't shoot? So be it. This is a guy who told us he had the goal of shooting 40-plus percent from three this season, and that did not seem far-fetched at all. I quoted it a bunch of times. 44% or better on corner threes for three straight years for Torian Prince. He's shooting 32% from three, and I'm rounding up to get there. So you want to talk about a Lakers tax on three-point shooting? Look at what's going on with Torian right now. That said, the Lakers, I think, are making the gamble that, number one, Torian still gets respect behind the three-point line. Teams close out to him like he's a shooter, and that with enough volume, the shot is going to come around, and eventually they're going to start dropping. We're 12 games in. I do agree with that, that the shot will start dropping. We did see more minutes be fed to Rui in this game, so maybe that's a sign of things to come, but I do understand why people would be frustrated saying, hey, we just paid Rui all this money. Why is he not getting more opportunities here? Again, I think that if we're looking for somebody to be more of a prototypical three, that's probably a little bit more in Torian, Torian Prince's wheelhouse. And so that could be part of it. But which player is just flat out playing better right now? It's Rui. It's Rui. And so at some point, the cream rises. It's just the way it goes. It's what happens. It might be frustrating. It might take a little bit of time. But if Torian Prince doesn't find his shot again, which I believe he will, but if he doesn't, I would assume those minutes will, sooner rather than later, continue to shift over to Rui Hachimura. Mamba Mentality. By the way, we need to get into the Master Lock of the Night in just a moment. Mamba Mentality. Did anyone see Vando on the bench? Answer, no, because he and Cam fused. They fused? What? These even have a name? The Cam DeLorean? I got to admit, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. The Cam DeLorean. Chat, what do we think? The Cam DeLorean? The Vandalorian and the Cam DeLorean? What are we thinking? <laughs> I, I kind of like it. Was on full display today. Superstar bronze star in your role, Cam. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of making a... a um, he's turning himself into a defender similar to what we would expect out of Vando, right? Like the things that Cam Reddish is doing particularly on the perimeter defensively, is pretty similar to what you would expect out of Jared Vanderbilt, which is a by no means a knock on Jared Vanderbilt and more of a, a praise of, of Cam Reddish. Credit to him for what he's been doing out there. Again, getting into the passing lanes, using his length, even blocked a shot. I think he's been doing some really good things. And I do like that. I, I do like that comparison defensively. And man, God, if we were we were talking about it all summer if Vando can just shoot 35% from three. Now it's if Cam can shoot 35% from three as well. If they both, Could you imagine a defense with both of them out there? With both of them out there? But the only way you get away with it, the only way you get away with it is if Cam and Vando are both shooting well enough. They don't have to be snipers, but well enough from three that teams have to care that they're out there. The teams have to cover them. And right now on the season, Cam Reddish is indeed shooting. Oh, it just updated. So now there's there's 12 games in here. Um, 35% from three for Cam. 
So he's doing it. He's doing it. Which is incredible because at one point, it wasn't long ago, he was shooting, in fact, after the Miami game, the, the miss against Miami, he was shooting 17% from three. I remember we talked about it on the show. Now he's all the way up to 35%. Man, what a difference like a week and a half makes. Cam Reddish is on a tear. I don't think it's a lineup you can go to a lot. I don't think it's a lineup that you can, you know, start or anything like that. But man, if you could for a three, four minute stretch, put out a lineup. God, let's just dream. Put out a lineup of Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, Cam Reddish, put those three guys on the floor together and then mix and match some other guys, some other some other guys who have been defending well. You know, if you want to do Torian Prince for, for switchiness, you want to do Rui to have a little bit more size, whoever else you want to put in. But those three together on the floor, and again, it's critical that Cam and Vando are guys that you have to defend behind the three-point line. But man, that could be a pretty scary trio to have to deal with defensively, to have to fight with defensively if you're an, an opposing team trying to score the basketball. There, there could be something there. Um, I'd be really curious to see it. I'd be really curious to see what it looks like. Again, don't think it's something that you like start or anything like that. But those three guys together could be hell trying to score on them. Could really be, could really be something. All right, let's get in a few more of these. Then we're going to do the master lock of the night. Don't forget Sean Davis's Lakers Nation post post game show coming up right after this one. So be on the lookout for that. Ignacio says Reeves is a defensive liability too weak and too slow players just blow by him with ease Lakers need a big time perimeter lockdown defender to compete and to keep the other teams honest defense wins championships hmm hmm is there a certain lockdown perimeter defender out there that could be coming on the market sometime soon just a thought just a thought yep our guy, Alex Caruso. Yeah, I still think I think it would make a ton of sense. I don't know if they can do it. I don't know if or when the Bulls are going to decide to blow it up. They did lose to the Orlando Magic tonight, which, by the way, look, Lakers, Lakers fans, Lakers Nation. If you want the Lakers to get in on Zach Levine, who, by the way, named, apparently, the word got out, that the Lakers are one of his preferred landing spots. I don't think his landing spots matter all that much because he's got four more years under contract. It's not like... Bradley Beal, who has a no-trade clause, right? But nonetheless, the Lakers, the, the 76ers, and the Heat were the teams that uh, Zach Levine's interested in landing at. But if you want Zach Levine, if you want DeMar DeRozan, if you want Nikola Vucevic, if you want Alex Caruso, what are you rooting for right now? You're rooting for Bulls' losses. Doesn't mean the Bulls are going to um, trade any of those players to the Lakers, but it makes it much more likely that they're going to trade one or more of those players that they're going to be in sell mode. So you should be rooting. If you want those guys to hit the trade market, you want the Lakers to have a shot at them, you should be rooting for the Bulls to struggle. And and you should also be rooting for the Bulls to not make a move until at the earliest, December 15th, preferably January 15th, because right now the Lakers can't trade their guys. They're guys they signed over the summer. They can't trade. In fact, there's a few of them they can't even trade till January 15th. So, yeah. You need the Bulls to, number one, play bad basketball, lose a lot of games, get pushed to rebuild. And number two, you need them to hold off until probably mid-January before they do anything. Oh, 
Bummer. Looks like the Clippers are finally going to get a win in the James Harden era. They're up four on the Rockets right now with about six seconds left in the fourth. Just a game that I've been keeping an eye on there because it's always fun. It's always fun when, when the Clippers lose. John Drake, the need for two for a second big grows every game. Yeah, that's look, there's a few things the Lakers need. I think a perimeter guard defender is one of those things. Another thing is a big, um, a true big, a physical presence at the big position, you know, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be a world beater. doesn't have to be an all-star or anything like that. Just somebody who can go in and be a physical presence for you because it's noticeable. Um, I thought Christian Wood was a great pickup. He had a really good game tonight. He was in the running for star in your role. Jackson Hayes has been kind of hit and miss. And neither of those guys, neither Christian Wood nor Jackson Hayes offer the kind of physical strength that, I think the Lakers are going to need at some points this year. Not every game, but for some games, you're going to need somebody who is a big physical presence in there. And so finding that, I don't know if it's going to happen. You may prioritize some other things first, but if they could find a way to pick that up at the trade deadline, probably wouldn't hurt. All right, let's get into everybody's favorite segment. Master lock of the night. The master lock of the night. We take whatever was the most annoying thing from this game and we put it in our buddy Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold, the master lock, which I don't know if you guys saw, but Chris put a picture of himself out there on social media today. Bravo, Chris. He is absolutely shredded. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I need to figure out this guy's secret because he is he is beyond shredded. So what is getting put in the master lock? For this one. Let me know, chat. Sky Falcon says offensive rebounds. Kill Kill Raven said master lock the Clippers ending their losing streak. Yeah, how dare they? Damon says rebounding. Podheads says master lock AD. That was pod with the D heads. (laughs) Um, Oh, master lock the court. God, that Rockets court was bad. Just so red. And I had some people on social media said they actually liked it. I did not. I don't know. I'm sorry. I Blazers court. I did not like that. I did not. It was, it was hard to watch that game. I've gotten adjusted to most of these tournament games as the game's gone on. I felt better about watching it. But that one, whew, that was rough. That was rough. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Master Lockham for taking LeBron out with nine assists with one minute to go. What you wanted him to you wanted him to hit 10? I mean, to get the, the double double? That's why. Or or did you have like a an did you bet higher than nine and a half assists or something on him? I don't know. I mean, you're LeBron. He's had so many triple doubles, so many double doubles in his career. Like he'd rather just get him out of the game. My official master lock. Oh, master lock turnovers. That's a good one too. Master lock LeBron haters saying he's washed. I think LeBron is already doing that to them. I'm going to go rebounding. I'm going to go rebounding because the defensive glass has been a problem for a while now. For the whole season so far, it's been a problem. And a lot of it is just the long bounces and it becomes a 50-50 ball. And the Lakers are simply not beating their opponents to it. Cam Reddish got to a few, but a lot of other guys, they're just a step slower than their opponents. And some of that is attention to detail. Some of that is not recognizing that you got to turn and box out. Even if you're a perimeter player, when the shot goes up, a lot of the Lakers aren't instinctively doing that. And so the rebounding, I think it's a, it's a real concern. It's a serious concern. And it's one that has to be fixed. It's one that's got to be fixed. Has to be. And there's a number of things they have to fix. But for me, man, it's one of the most frustrating things that I see in the game. One of the most frustrating things when the Lakers, especially when they defend, they defend. Look, if you defend for a full 24 seconds or 23.9 seconds and you force a tough, long contested two and it happens to go in, bravo, right? You do that nine times out of 10, you're forcing a miss. And so you just say, hey, they made a tough shot, but you can be proud of the defense for doing what they do. But what's really infuriating, what's really frustrating to see is when you defend your butt off and you contest and you contest and you force the team to swing the ball and swing the ball and swing the ball, you force a tough shot and they miss and you stop and you give up the rebound. And then you got to do it all over again. And oftentimes the ball just gets shot immediately from three and it's a bucket. It is one of my least favorite things about the Lakers this year. It drives me crazy. And I hope, I hope they fix it sooner rather than later. Please, please, let's get this done, Lakers. Let's get that fixed. All right, let's see what else we've got in the chat here. I've got a lot. I've got a lot. Remember, guys, if I don't get to your chat question on this show, it goes on the next one. So just keep that in mind. Doesn't mean I'm going to ignore your question or anything like that. If I don't get to it, it means I'm going to get it on the next show, which I'll record an extra show tomorrow in order to make sure that I get to all of these. Besides, we're going to have plenty of things to talk about um, on our bonus show over the weekend. Uh, James said, OMG, I can't wait to see Vando and Cam at the two and three with Braun and AD. That's going to be fire. Leave Reeves leading the second unit. <laughs> Again, if they can shoot 35% from three, might be able to get away with that. That could be insane. Just think about that because I've talked about this before, but D'Angelo Russell, a lot of people don't understand. He's 6'4 with a 6'10 wingspan. Like he's got longer arms than people understand. It doesn't mean he's great defensively. But if you had... D'Lo, Cam, Vando, Braun AD. That's such a big lineup. 
not that you have the, it's not like there's a Jonas Valanciunas in there or you even Yusuf Nurkic or kind of like a big physical bruiser in the middle. You don't have that. It's still across positions. That's a, that's a pretty big, pretty long, lanky, scrappy group out there on the floor. Dante said, if Embiid wants out of Philly at the end of the season, we should swap him for AD and Reeves. Well, I mean, Philly's been playing great basketball. And Tyrese Maxey looks like he is for real. And so I don't, I wouldn't imagine that right now Embiid is thinking about leaving Philly at all. But if things go south there, if things just don't work out and he does want to leave, I'm sure the Lakers will make that call because 29 teams are going to make that call. They're going to try to find out what do you want for him? What can we work out? Now, would you make that swap? I mean, remember, Embiid is, well, he's 30. He's 30 he's about to turn 30. He's had a long history of injuries. And so it's not like you're getting a young star. You're not getting a guy who's 25 or something like that. So that's something to factor in. But if you have the option to go get him, yeah, you're, you're going to leave no stone unturned to see if you can get him. He's the, the reigning MVP for a reason. Now, I have Jokic ahead of him. I don't think that's even all that controversial. But he's really, really good. That said... I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. I I don't think Philly's trading him. I don't think he's going to ask out. I think Maxie's been so good that he's not he's not going to go anywhere. And, and look, Philly, they're one of the teams that's going to be in the running for Zach Levine. They're going to be in conversations for everybody. They're going to try to take the assets that they got from trading James Harden, and they're going to try to, to get another piece added to this team. I don't think Philly's going to make that move, as long as they keep playing this way. Jay Soft said defense was elite. AD was just bad. I don't think he was that bad uh, and in the middle of a lot of bad plays. I think he made mistakes, but I don't necessarily say this was just a terrible AD game. Again, five blocks, three steals. He 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 had some real positive contributions out there, but wasn't necessarily a great AD game either. It was just kind of eh, middle of the pack. Ree said, Braun insane. Another game AD where he got schemed out. First half, we need another score with Braun. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly make that argument that the Lakers need to find another scorer to put with LeBron James. The question is, who is that guy? Is it DeMar DeRozan? Are there fit concerns there? Do you do you outweigh those fit concerns with the fact that you'd have more around him? What about what you'd have to give up? Most of these trades that we're talking about, the centerpiece is probably D'Angelo Russell. Should they even move on from him? Right? If we're talking to DeMar DeRozan, you probably need D'Lo's contract in the deal. If we're talking about... Zach Levine, it's, I don't think you can even do it without Delo's contract, unless you want to do a Zach Levine and Anthony Davis trade, which I can tell you the Lakers have no interest in doing something like that. So that's the, the challenge. When we look at these trades and we say, well, the Lakers need another score. Okay, where are you getting that guy? And what are you willing to part with in order to get that guy? That's where it gets challenging. That's where it gets challenging. Julian. Said, could you imagine Dennis and Reddish on the floor at the same time? I love the effort Cam is playing with right now. Going to be tough when Bando comes back because of who the wings, because uh, who of the wings minutes do you cut? That's the question. But you know what? This is a good problem to have. We said it going into the season. The Lakers have too many wings. They've got too much wing depth. Or not too much. They've got, they've got wing depth. I've been asking for it for years for the Lakers to get extra wings. And they've got it. They've got it. They'll... If Vando's healthy and everybody else is healthy too, they'll have more wings than they can realistically play, particularly with Cam Reddish playing this way. If Cam wasn't heading into the season, we thought Cam would probably be the odd man out. Why? Based on his play in previous seasons. 
other guys and simply played better. Now, though, he's playing great. He's arguably been the best of them, right? At least over the last five games. So now you've got a problem. But it's a great problem to have. You've got more guys who deserve minutes than you have minutes to give. It's a problem, but a great problem. So I do think it's an issue that the Lakers will have to navigate. I think that's part of the reason why I am I am collapsing the guard rotation to a degree and making it more just at the point guard position when I talk D'Lo, Austin, and then Gabe. Maybe you hold him in reserve to use sometimes when you need a second guard on the floor. But by freeing up the two-guard spot to put in another wing with that wing often being Cam, that opens up some more possibilities at the three and at the four. And remember, LeBron's going to play a lot of minutes at the four. Uh, Christian Wood's going to come in. He's going to play with AD at times. He's going to get minutes at the four as well. So anytime you're playing somebody at the four that's not Torian, that's not Rui, that's not Vando, that's not Cam, um, you're taking some minutes away from those four guys. And it's going to be challenging to see how Darvin Ham actually navigates that. Because I don't know who whose minutes get cut into. Maybe Jackson Hayes. The Lakers don't play with an extra big out there at times. I think there have been times where the Lakers go heavy wings and they can make up for a lack of a center being on the floor. We'll see. We'll see. But again, great problem to have. Great problem to have. All right, before... We go on, and I am going to kick it over to Sean Davis in just a few minutes here for the Lakers Nation Post postgame show. But let me give a quick shout out to our sponsor, and that is Game Time. So, Game Time is a super easy way to get tickets to your favorite event, whether it's sports, music, comedy, theater, whatever. Um, I talked about this last show. I just took my daughter a few weeks ago using Game Time to her first NBA game. She's seven. She had a blast. She finally was an interested enough in a game to where I knew she could sit through a game. And she danced and danced and danced in the hope of getting on the Jumbotron. And at the very end of the game, sure enough, she did. She accomplished her goal. And so her first experience with the NBA was overwhelmingly positive. And the Game Time app made it super, super easy to get tickets, to get checked in at the game, to get in the door. You don't have to fumble through your email or anything like that because the tickets get sent right to your phone. They also have the game time guarantee, meaning you get the best price. Even if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, they credit you. Game time does 110% of the difference. So check it out. Check out the game time app. Very, very easy to use. Again, I just used it myself and it was super, super simple. Uh, you can snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code Lakers nation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again, create an account and redeem code Lakers nation for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, we'll do a few more of these. Jeff said, Master Lock, the hellish red court. My eyes are still burning. Good win. Indeed, Jeff. I, I put it out there on X. I said, I think that the Blazers have one of the ugliest of the um, tournament floors. And you know what? Look, I, I think the NBA will adjust, right? I think next year, which, by the way, so far the tournament, it's been pretty successful. And the Lakers, 3-0 and in their group. One more game remaining against the Utah Jazz. They win that. The Lakers emerge from their group as the number one seed. They'd be off to the quarterfinals and then to Vegas for the semifinals and then again in Vegas for the finals. 
That could all happen by December 9th is the is the final. I don't know if they'll get that far, but if they beat the Utah Jazz, they are getting out of their group, which is uh, by itself. I mean, I thought this was a fairly difficult group. Now, Memphis has not been nearly as good as we thought they might be heading into the season. So we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, but the Lakers, if they win against the Jazz, they at the very least get out of their group and get into the quarterfinals. They win there. I don't know who their opponent's going to be. We'll have to wait and see. But they win there. They could be on to the semifinals. And then the, who knows? Maybe the Lakers wind up being the, the first tournament champion. But right now, they're 3-0 and in tournament play. Um, but I think the tournament has been a success so far for the NBA. I think the basketball, the quality of it, has picked up in these tournament games. And so that's been impressive. So I think it's going to stick around for next year. And what that means, though, is the NBA is going to take what they're doing now and they're going to make little tweaks. One of the things tweaks I would make is I would dial it back on the court a little bit. I understand that you want to capture the fan that is flipping through the channels and clicks onto an NBA game. You want them to go, whoa, what is this? What happened? What happened to the court? Something special is going on, right? That's That's what you want. And that goal is definitely accomplished with these floors, but I think you can dial it back a little bit and still accomplish that goal. So that's one of the, the changes. But I think just like with the first year of the play-in tournament, remember how many people hated the play-in tournament when it first came out? And then year one, they got Lakers-Warriors in the play-in tournament, and it did insane ratings, and LeBron and Steph went at each other, and it was just this epic game. The Lakers won at the end. As soon as that happened, you went, yep, yeah, that's it. There's there's no way they're ever getting rid of this. This is here to stay, the play-in tournament. And now it's just kind of a way of life. Like, we, we're we used to it. And I think it's largely been successful. I think we're getting there with the tournament. And we've got a long way to go. And we'll see how the finals and everything plays out in Las Vegas. What does all that look like? But for right now, this the tournament, I think, has been a success. And so I think next year, we're going to see it. Just hopefully, hopefully. They dial it back a little bit on the courts. All right, last one we're going to do before we kick it over to Sean Davis for the Lakers Nation Post postgame show. All good shooters the Lakers get become bad shooters for any reason. It's so frustrating. I don't understand this offense on the Lakers. You know, that's not always true. That's not always true. Like Lonnie Walker shot above average from three last season. Shot more, better than you would have expected that he would shoot. But I know we think about, well, we go all the way back. We think about Reggie Bullock. We think about Mike Muscala, two guys who were brought in to be shooters and then couldn't shoot when they got to the Lakers. We think about uh, Malik Beasley who could only seem to shoot in garbage time and now is like scoring 30 points for the Milwaukee Bucks and lighting it up. Uh, we think about you know, Torian Prince who, you know, said he had the goal of shooting over 40% from three, shooting 32% right now. Think about all these guys the Lakers have had over the years that, are supposed to be shooters, and then they get to the Lakers and they just can't quite shoot the ball as well. Even Danny Green, who shot a respectable 38%. The season before that, before he became a Laker, he was 44% from three. Those are going to stand out in our memory, and we're not going to think about the guys who did shoot better from three because we kind of expect that. Right? We expect you join a team with LeBron, you join a team with AD, you should get more open looks, therefore you should shoot better from three than you did previously. So with guys like Lonnie that improved their three-point shooting, guys like Malik Monk, uh, who shot well from three with the Lakers, we tend to just overlook those guys or write those guys off. Um, 
because we get so focused on, well, this guy, this is supposed to be a really good three-point shooter and he dropped off. So I don't know how much of the Lakers tax or the Lakers curse or whatever you want to call it is real, but it does seem to happen to more than one player every year that you expect them to shoot the ball well. They come to the Lakers and they just can't shoot. They just can't shoot. Gabe Vincent, it's only four games that he's played, but Gabe Vincent right now, He's shooting 7% from three. Seven. He's not even double digits. It's crazy. And then Torian not shooting as well from three. There's a number of guys. It seems to happen. Hopefully, hopefully though, as the sample size grows, those numbers will normalize and we'll see these guys return to form. But I get it. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. All right. I do want to thank everybody for, for joining me here tonight. Appreciate it. I had a lot of fun talking Lakers basketball with you. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Even if you tend to watch the show on YouTube, that's fine. Do us a favor. Also subscribe over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give us that five-star rating over there. It's a big, big help to the show. You can follow us both places. It can actually be advantageous, especially if you know, you're know you going out of town for Thanksgiving or something like that. You're going to hit the road. You can put on the show, drive along using the podcast format of the show. So again, make sure you do subscribe both places. We sure do appreciate it. Great way to keep this show growing. And of course, of course, make sure that you uh, are checking out the Lakers Nation YouTube channel membership program. I think we've got some really cool perks there. Just did last night, our first members only live stream where our members actually joined us on stage and got to come and talk Lakers basketball with us and, and hang out. It was a good time. So if you haven't checked that out yet, Click that join button and you can check out the perks that we offer with the membership program. And uh, as Jonathan said, yes, hit the like button. Hit that like button for us as well. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for me. I'm going to throw it over to Sean Davis with the Lakers Nation post post game show. I know he's got a ton of stuff to break down from this game, but thank you all for joining me till next time. See you and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.